0: Welcome to this month's Drinking on the Last Frontier here on KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soul listener-supported public radio for the Central Kenai Peninsula. I'm your host, Bill Howell. As always, thanks to Recess Duty for playing us in with our theme song. We've got some great interviews and news for you this month, but let's get started, as always, with beer news. On Saturday, February 18th, the 2023 Frozen River Fest took place in Soldotna Creek Park. Hundreds of festival attendees sampled beers from 18 different breweries from across Alaska. The weather cooperated as well, with temperatures around 30 degrees and light snow falling. The winner of this year's People Choice Award was newcomer Naptown Brewing from Sterling. Congratulations to the Soldotna Chamber of Commerce on another outstanding festival. Speaking of Naptown Brewing, owner Jake Walgenbach reports that they plan to have their doors open in March. The exact date is still to be determined because, according to Jake, we need to see how much beer we have left after Frozen River Fest. Beer brewed at Ackle Abbey in Limburg, Belgium will no longer be allowed to bear the name Trappist Beer. The Abbey is being sold to businessman Jan Tormans, and the brewery at the Abbey will cut all links with West Mile Abbey that supervised operations at the Ockel Abbey Brewery until now. Earlier, when the Trappist monks moved out, the brewery lost the right to display the ATP label, proving authentic Trappist product on its brews. The ATB label can only be used when beer is brewed in an Abbey with live-in monks. The Trappist name could still be used thanks to the connection with Westmall Abbey, but with the sale to private hands, that now is a thing of the past. It's a sad day in the story of Belgian Trappist beers when a brewery loses its right to bear the Trappist name, but Jan Tormans, who owns the Tormans Group and is expected to purchase the Abbey, also has plans to extend brewery operations at the site. By ending up in private hands, the brewery also forfeits the right to use the name Trappist. The annual Alaska Craft Brew and Barley Wine Festival was held on January 27th and 28th in Anchorage. As has been the case for many years, as part of the festival, a beer competition was held for winter seasonal beers and barley wines. In the winter seasonal category, Black Spruce Brewing of Fairbanks took gold with its bourbon barrel aged Long Nights Imperial Stout. Second place went to Turnagain Brewing of Anchorage, and third place went to Dogfish Head with an honorable mention for Girdwood Brewing. In the prestigious Barley Wine Competition, Black Spruce Brewing received an honorable mention. The bronze went to three-time prior winner Cassock's Brewery's Buffalo Head Barley Wine, and the silver went to King Street Brewing Company. First place went to 49th State Brewing's 2023 Apocalyptic Sky Trumpet, An absolutely amazing brew. I will be interviewing Carrie Fristo of Black Spruce Brewing later in this show. That's it for Beer News. We'll be right back with our first interview with Carrie Fristo.
1: Hello, this is Charlissa Megan, known as Truth Is. And I'm her trusty sidekick, Eva Knutson. And And we are the Sound Sound Hunters. Hunters. Join us on Wednesday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. as we dig through our old mixtape collections and share our favorite eclectic musical finds. That's The Sound Hunters on Wednesday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. right here on KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna.
0: Carrie Fristo of Black Spruce Brewing Company in Fairbanks. Carrie, how are you doing this fine day? Hey, I'm doing pretty well, Bill. How are you? I am excellent, excellent. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. So, last year, you come home with the gold medal for the barley wine, best barley wine at the Craft Brew and Barley Wine Festival. This year, you come home with the gold for the best winter warmer, okay? That's uh, an honorable mention in the barley wine. So, uh, that's pretty impressive. How are you managing this?
2: Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We're just trying our hardest to, to make sure everything's tasting good and and having fun while we're doing it.
0: So how's business been? I think it's been almost a year since the last time we had you on. How was your 2022?
2: It, it was good. It was, it was steady. Definitely seemed like people were ready to come out, you know, kind of as we're getting out of COVID times, feeling a little bit more comfortable being inside with more people, which was nice. And we've continued to do some work on our patio. So definitely during the summer getting people outside and around the fire pits warming up has been nice, but yeah, kind of, kind of slowly growing still as, as we're trying to do and doing some more distribution down in South Central.
0: I've seen on Facebook, you guys are like canning now, right? Have you got a, a line or are you still manually canning? Refresh my memory
2: yeah so we have the wild goose the gosling it's a little one head filler that has all of their same filling and seaming technology so really good quality when we do seam checks on it keeps oxygen to a pretty low level so yeah we're doing that and then we uh, got a box truck this last year so we're loading that up putting our beer on the lift gate and driving down south and and dropping off a couple different places down in Anchorage.
0: Okay. Where are you putting it at Anchorage? La Bodega, Tent City? Yeah. So,
2: yeah, La Bodega for cans is going to be our, our biggest spot. Uh, we're dropping off as well as, as uh, Gold Rush Liquor and then Aurora Nights Liquor for cans down there. And then for Draft, yeah, Tent City, Hearth, Russet Goat, Spinard, Roadhouse, and then. Uh, up in the valley palmer ale house, and then connect country liquor are taking our cans as well
0: Cool. so what percentage of your production would you estimate that you're packaging versus selling out of your uh, right out of your tap room? you know
2: it's it's gone down a little bit from during the pandemic. we were packaging a lot just because people were buying four packs to go and not sticking around but i I would say you know, maybe around 20% okay. of our production right now. We're canning, and then the the rest draft.
0: Are you selling any cans out of the tap room, or is it or is it strictly packaging for distribution with them?
2: Nope. Yeah, we have we have all of our packaged beer available to go from the brewery. So you know, people okay. come in and hang out, and have a glass, and if they like something, they're able to take a four pack. And we're still doing growlers and stuff as well take a four pack to go home as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, now you guys, again, I'm going to refresh my memory. Cause I haven't had a chance to get up and check you guys out. You aren't doing any food at your tap room, right?
2: No, we do not have any in-house okay. food. Um, right now we have a couple food trucks right, three right. days a week right now. And then kind of has more open up okay. for the summer. We'll uh, get that yeah. schedule filled out.
0: Yeah. So then that there's no reason for you to really take advantage of anything with the new law changes that's going to come into effect next January, since you wouldn't be getting a restaurant eating place license or anything like that. You're not planning on making any licensing changes to your operation, are you?
2: No, no. Yeah. So we, yeah, we wouldn't be able to get the, the restaurant eating place license. We will be able to stay open um, right. an extra hour, so till nine, um, and then we'll be able to have Four uh, four
0: events four, a year. Yeah.
2: Four events per license per year, and then really the one that I'm kind of the most excited about is um, doing the direct to consumer shipping huh. of beer.
0: Yeah, um, I, I might take advantage of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and especially because it's 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 tough for us to because we self distribute to get down into whether it's Kenai Peninsula or especially like Southeast, you uh-huh. know all those little communities. Um, so to be able to get our beer out to people that want it in those areas is, is a pretty exciting prospect for us.
0: Great, great. So uh, have you made any changes besides you said you got your can and your little uh, one-head canner? Have you made any other equipment changes in the last year? Brought any additional tankage in or anything like on those lines?
2: No new equipment for the brewery. We've, yeah, kind of last year got a couple natural gas fire pits. We just got natural gas hooked mm. up to the building. Um, so we got, we were able to get one of those installed before winter set in and we couldn't do any uh, cutting into the concrete and repouring. Um So yeah, this, this uh, summer, fall, we're going to get, we have two more fire pits that so we're going to, we're going to try and get out into the patio. And then, yeah, this year, for production stuff we're we're hopefully going to get a an inline labeler because right okay. now we're uh-huh. we're using a tabletop labeler for all of our labeling, so it's a lot of monotonous work on that. so yeah, hopefully get an inline labeler to facilitate that process. yeah, just kind of see how how this year goes with inflation and if people are still going out as much as they were last year to kind of see if we need to get a new tank or two right now we're we're pretty good on capacity for kind of what we expect to grow this year we should be covered
0: again refresh my memory what's the size of your system so we have a 10 barrel brew Ten house bar, that's what i figured
2: uh yeah. yeah and then and then we have a 10 barrel bright bright tank five 10 barrel fermenters mm-hmm. and then a 20 barrel fermenter that's just yeah. aromadome so that's yeah yeah double batch gets filled with aromadome package mm-hmm. it the next day fill it back up
0: okay so how about your uh, how about your help situation? Were you shorthanded like so many people were last year or were you did you do okay? Did you manage to retain the people you needed through the pandemic or how did how did you handle that?
2: Yeah, we we were able to maintain uh we just had one little scramble with uh tap room staff that we were fortunately able to get someone on board before summer was, was too in full swing, but yeah, we've had we've had some pretty good staff retention which we're super thrilled about and then actually just have someone full-time in production with me now. Uh we had someone kind of two part-time people and now we have one full-time person back there with me so it's been really awesome getting them trained up and familiar with all the process and gives us more flexibility to I don't have to be here all the time doing <laughs> you know, work production and and transfers and stuff, they're able to take over some of that responsibility. So it's been really great.
0: That's always good to be able to take a little time off. Yeah. Yeah. So so why don't you tell people a little more about your gold medal winner? Describe the beer and uh, if it's available where anybody could find it, at least in theory, let them know. Yeah, totally. So that
2: was our Long Night's Imperial Stout, which we brewed every year since we've been open. It started off as partially split-batch, partially barrel-aged, partially fresh. And I guess two years ago now, we just moved towards kind of revamping the recipe a little bit, making it only barrel-aged. And so to do that, we uh, increased the ABV a little bit. So this most recent vintage uh, finished at about 12.5%, increased the body a little bit to make it able to stand up to barrel-aging for a year, but yeah, the the base beer, imperial stout, super rich, kind of dark chocolate character to it, some underlying kind of sweet, caramely notes, a little bit of dried fruit character, not a whole lot of roastiness to it, and then it's about twenty percent malted oats in it, just to really help with that full body creaminess, and then so yeah, each year we do a batch of that, and we split that batch between four whiskey barrels bourbon or whiskey two of each different type. so this year the one that got gold at the beer and barley wine festival was aged in heaven hill bourbon barrels so just really nice i really like those barrels they're just super round kind of a little bit of each component of the barrel and the bourbon really shines through you get that nice kind of smooth vanilla. You get just a little bit of that kind of tannic oak character, that warming bourbon. It all just kind of is in harmony throughout with that barrel. And then the other barrel variety we used this year was Old Elk Bourbon, uh, which was our first time using it. And we really liked how that turned out. It had a little bit more of a distinct kind of rich, like molasses brown sugar note to it. With the other components, that kind of vanilla and bourbon and oak, a little bit more subdued. Uh, so it's always fun to have the different contrasts between the two different barrels and uh, the uniqueness of each of them. And then as far as availability, we actually just ran out of the old elk bourbon barrel-aged version of cans at the tap room. Uh, we do saw the Heaven Hill version available at the tap room, and we're going to be doing a delivery down to Anchorage on March 5th, and we're going to be sending down, not sure how many cases, but a couple cases of the Heaven Hill Fern Barrel Age Long Nights to La Bodega.
0: Okay, well, that'll tell folks that are listening to this, it- mark your calendar sometime after march 5th hit la bodega and i hope there's still some left when you get there (laughs) so anything else that's coming out or you're doing here in the near future that you want to tell our listeners about yeah
2: we're going to be still very much in its infancy but with having a kind of a full-time production person especially kind of in the shoulder season where we're not going every day super hard we're going to be starting to work on doing some small-scale mead production which we've been wanting to do for for quite a while but i just haven't had the time or personnel to do so we're just kind of getting into the research stage of that so by the time we actually get some batches into fermenters and those are ready i'll hopefully be for our fifth anniversary this december uh so that's definitely more of a Mm long-term project, but yeah, we're getting excited about that. And then this summer, we have our kind of a couple of our different fun releases. We're doing another collaboration with the Bun on the Run, the local bakery here. We do a different kind of beer inspired by one of their pastries every year. So we're talking with them right now, trying to figure out what we want to do with that. Then we've got our Brood with Pride beer release we do on the summer solstice every year with our buddy Larry Lowry up here. So we're Talking Tim, him, figuring out what we want to do with that. And then for Steph and my anniversary, which is also summer solstice, we do our Rose IPA every year. So we're figuring out what tweaks we want to make for that for this year.
0: Well, that sounds good. So, hey, let me give you a pitch. If you're not too busy the second week in August, why don't you uh, come on down to the Kenai Peninsula Beer Festival that the Rotary puts on here every year? sounds fun yeah well you know come down do some fishing on the kenai take it off your taxes as a business expense Right. You came, down here for, <laughs> here. you came down here for a beer festival and if you happen to do some fishing before and after well that's just
2: gravy yeah uh, that's thinking i'll have to put that <laughs> in my calendar
0: <laughs> all right well hey carrie thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us really appreciate it and uh best of luck uh, like i said i look forward to trying to get up there and uh check out your your digs and uh check out what you got on tap man Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Bill. All right. Thank you. This is Drinking on the Last Frontier, KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna. We'll be right back with our next segment.
2: Driveway moment. When you're stuck in your car because what you're hearing is too interesting to leave. Those are the stories we bring you on the KDLL Evening Newscast, getting you to pause wherever you tune in. Listen every weekday at 520 p.m.
0: At the start of a new year, I always have to wade through numerous online articles and even posts from friends and acquaintances about how they are giving up drinking alcohol for the month of January. This so-called dry January idea originated in the United Kingdom, but it has become pretty popular in the U.S. as well. Personally, I have no intention of giving up beer for January. During my 20 years in the U.S. Navy, I had plenty of months of forced sobriety thanks to being at sea, so I don't feel the need for any more. Thank you very much. Not to mention, January is when both the Alaska Beer Week and the Alaska Craft Brew and Barley Wine Festival are held, so not drinking then is a real non-starter for me. However, given that one of the arguments often cited to support the idea of a dry January is that it will produce health benefits, this seems a good time to revisit one of my favorite topics – the health benefits of moderate beer consumption. Ancient Egypt is where the concept of medicinal use of beer first began to flourish. Ancient Egyptians used beer as a medicine to treat stomach ailments, coughs, and constipation. Over the years, archaeologists have discovered over 100 medicinal recipes from ancient Egypt that utilized beer as an ingredient. In ancient Nubia, people were using beer as an antibiotic to treat everything from gum disease to infected wounds. Fast forward to the Middle Ages and the Renaissance era, and beer was often perceived as a nutritional necessity. Furthermore, it was sometimes used as a medicine to treat pain and various types of illnesses. Today, much research has been accrued over the past century that has found many promising health benefits provided by moderate beer consumption, as well as various negative effects derived from heavy consumption. Some of the promising effects of moderate beer consumption include a stronger, healthier heart, improved cognitive function, lower bad LDL cholesterol levels, and higher good HDL cholesterol levels, lower risk of dementia, and more. When it comes to heart health, moderate beer consumption should top the list of one's diet, according to various studies. One study followed 80,000 participants for six years and found that moderate drinkers had the slowest decline in high-density lipoprotein, HDL, or good cholesterol levels, and in turn a lower risk of cardiovascular diseases. Research also shows that of men who have already suffered a heart attack, those who drank beer moderately were 42% less likely to die of heart disease. Other studies have found that moderate beer intake, defined as one beer a day for women and two beers a day for men, improved the antioxidant properties of good cholesterol while also improving the body's ability to remove bad cholesterol. Another large study demonstrated that low to moderate beer intake could lower heart disease risk to a similar extent as drinking wine, which is widely lauded as an antioxidant and healthy beverage if consumed in moderation. Moderate beer consumption has also been revealed to be beneficial in lowering the risk of type 2 diabetes. Several studies conducted over the years found that light to moderate alcohol intake appears to reduce insulin resistance which is a risk factor for diabetes. A European study found that people who drink three to four times per week were less likely to develop diabetes than those who never drink. And when compared to those who didn't drink beer, men who enjoyed between one and six beers per week had a 21% lower risk of diabetes. Other studies have found that light to moderate alcohol intake may improve blood sugar control. A large study with over 70,500 participants associated moderate alcohol intake with a 43% and 58% lower risk of diabetes for men and women, respectively. Another common misconception about beer is that it leads to brain damage. However, although heavy drinking can cause mental decline, light to moderate beer consumption actually improves memory and overall cognitive function. One study conducted by Loyola University out of Chicago found that moderate beer consumers are 23% less likely to develop Alzheimer's or dementia than those who don't drink. Another study found that beer consumption actually helps improve your trivia nights with participants solving puzzle games faster than non-drinkers. They also found that participants were 30% more likely to find unexpected solutions than those who didn't drink. Beer consumption has also been shown to improve bone density because of the presence of silicon, an essential bone-forming mineral found in your pint. A review published in the International Journal of Endocrinology found that moderate beer consumption increased bone density in men and could be potentially beneficial in reducing the risk of developing osteoporosis. Beer may also improve your oral hygiene. A study published in the Journal of Biomedicine and Biotechnology found that beer can keep bacteria from forming and growing on your teeth. The researchers tested the effect of beer extracts on the bacteria that form biofilm and promote tooth decay and gum disease, and found that even the weakest extract of beer tested blocked the activity of bacteria. Beer was also one of the best extracts for blocking communication between bacteria, which slows their growth. Good old Guinness was a beer they used in testing, another reason to channel your inner Irishman at the bar. There are also many health benefits that are derived from hops, which is good news for hoppy beer lovers and beer lovers in general. Hops have been shown to help reduce inflammation, be antibacterial, increase good cholesterol, and decrease bad cholesterol, and have anti-cancer properties. Inflammation in the body is the underlying cause behind many diseases, and according to a study published in Molecular Nutrition and Food Research, hops have anti-inflammatory properties. The researchers compared the anti-inflammatory effects of different hops and found that the consumption of hops in beer form interfered with inflammation-causing compounds. Another health benefit found within beer is that of polyphenols a category of compounds that are naturally found in plant foods, such as fruits, vegetables, herbs, and dark chocolate. Polyphenols act as antioxidants by neutralizing harmful free radicals that would otherwise damage your cells and increase your risk of illnesses like cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. They are also anti-inflammatory and great stress reducers. It should be noted that all the various health benefits that one can derive from sipping on their favorite brew vanish when one steps outside the bonds of moderation and into the realm of heavy drinking. One study conducted in Scandinavia found that people who regularly drank heavily decreased their life expectancy by 24 to 28 years in comparison with that of the general population. Heavy drinking can also lead to heart failure, cancer, obesity, and more. Not only does heavy drinking cancel the health benefits found in beer, but alcohol consumption can hinder performance in athletes as well. Beer can inhibit muscle growth, slow down recovery, slow down reaction times, and dehydrate your body. Not only is this bad news for athletes, but it's also bad news for anyone trying to make gains in the gym as well. Several studies have revealed that regular alcohol consumption was linked to decreased levels of testosterone in men and increased levels of testosterone in women. So if you want to make gains in the gym, then keep your drinking to a minimum. On a positive note in regards to beer and exercise is that there have been studies that found a correlation between drinkers and motivation to hit the gym. One study surveyed 40,000 American adults and found that compared to abstainers, moderate drinkers were twice as likely to be physically active. Moreover, as the intensity of activity increased, so did the strength of association with alcohol consumption. So if you're seeking a motivational tactic to hit the gym, you can try sipping on your favorite brew a little more, but always in moderation, of course. In order to derive the most health benefits from beer, remember to always drink in moderation. If beer isn't your go-to drink, wine and liquor possess many of the same benefits as beer, so don't hesitate to sip your favorite wine or cocktail, mind the calories and the sugar, however, in moderation. Also make sure to incorporate exercise and a proper diet to derive the most benefit from your alcoholic beverage. So while all of you folks swearing off alcohol for January may like to think it's healthy, The science says when I enjoy my one beer every evening after dinner, I'm really making the healthier choice. All of this brings us back to our main question. Is beer healthy? The answer, yes, when consumed in moderation. When imbibed in excess, the answer is a resounding no. We'll be right back with our next interview here on KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldata.
2: Tune in every week to Econ 919, your weekly look at how the peninsula works. We're making sense of all the dollars and cents every Friday at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. on KDLL.
0: Hello, and welcome back to Drinking on the Last Frontier. I'm your host, Bill Howell, here on KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna. Up next, we've got an interview with Mike Healy, the owner of Skagway Brewing Company. Hello, Mike. How are you doing today?
3: Uh, I'm doing great. It's a cool, crisp, sunny day in Skagway, so life is good.
0: I think it's been a while since we've had you on. Let's talk about uh, the changes you've made down there. I mean, I haven't been to visit since you made your big move. So why don't you describe your new setup for everybody?
3: Yeah, we expanded in 2019 in what is, we're calling the worst timed expansion ever. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
0: Little do we mortals know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, well, and actually to make matters worse, we, you know, we, it was two years of terrible times during the pandemic, you know, the Skagway economy is 95% cruise ships and 5% mm-hmm. Canadians. So we ended up with zero economy. <laughs> um, and then we finally got rolling last year again. And then we had a landslide that um, caused some damage to one of our docks and uh, deterred some cruise ships from coming and others had to tender in. And it was it was just a mess. It was it was not the recovery summer we all expected, but this year is looking good. But I guess to get back to your question, so we, you know, we were that little four barrel system that we were basically brewing in that closet. Yeah.
0: In- I remember they had to go outside yeah. to change your mind. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. And we moved to this new building. So it was, it had been in the works for seven years, us expanding. And, and we just, I kept getting denied by the bank for like seven years straight, which ended up being really good because it, it forced me to think about every little nook and cranny of the building. Um, so we, we ended up with a product that we really are proud of and happy with. And the brewery itself is now uh, it's a 10 barrel, which does, you know, it doesn't sound like a major increase, but it is a major increase because of the amount of fermentation space we have and our cellar. Our cellar is three times as big as our old brewing and cellar space combined. (laughs) So uh, quite a bit more space.
0: I know you've also expanded like your number of tables and things like that, right? So you're looking at also serving a lot more folks, right?
3: Yeah, um, an incredible amount more. You know, at the old place, uh, we were, we were, we'd open the doors at 11 a.m. and we would have a line out the door, sometimes 150 people deep until 6 p.m. And so that, I kind of did some, I'd sit across the street on the bench and, you know, make tick marks and, and see how many missed customers, how many customers we missed. And it was in the hundreds every day. So, so we increased to, well, we were seating capacity of 110 or 120. Now we're about 400. And, Really, we, you could probably call it 450 pretty easy with some of our outdoor seating combined there, too. So, yeah, big kitchen. Uh, well, and two big kitchens, actually, one upstairs and then one for the so our, our main main dining area on the second floor is kind of the main restaurant. That's the big kitchen. And then there's a smaller kitchen downstairs for the pub where the brewery's at. So it's, it's kind of a nice setting because, you know, sitting in the pub, you look into the brewery. Uh, the brewery's L-shaped. So, uh, yeah, everything, you know, everything's under glass and you can check it out while you're enjoying a beer or some food. And uh, and then we, we did some kind of unique things. Um, I grew up a farmer in South Dakota. And so, you know, I grew up just used to having fresh vegetables. And that's been one of my biggest complaints about moving to Alaska 20 years ago was we just, you know, you, you can grow it in the summer. Sure. But the growing season is just so short. And, and what we could get as a, as a restaurant, or the quality of ingredients was terrible. Um, you know, we were throwing away like almost 30% of our herbs, uh, probably 10% of, of uh, salad lettuces and burger lettuces.
0: I, so I, I totally hear you. I mean, we run a farmer's market up here, and the difference between the quality of what you can get in the market versus what you get at Freddy's is like night and day.
3: Oh, it is. And, and then, you know, then you even get into the nutritional content. You know, once, that, uh, once those lettuces have been harvested, after three, four, five days, there's not, you know, you lose a lot of that main nutritional content. So by the time it gets up here on the barge, you're just eating roughage. You know, yeah. that's not it. Uh, so we put in a, an aeroponic garden, which has been a really, a really interesting experiment. We didn't realize it, but basically as I was writing the check to the company for the garden, they were going out of business. <laughs>
0: Always fun? Yeah, not the
3: best way to start out. <laughs> so fortunately, we've had some pretty, uh, pretty good gardeners, and they, they basically re-engineered most of the system already. And um, kind of between the three of us, we, we worked together to do it. And, and we actually, very proud to say, that one of, the cool, one of the coolest moments of my life was last summer, the founder of Aeroponics came through a cruise ship. And he found out about us and so he stopped in. And I mean this guy was tasked. NASA just said, Hey guy, figure out how to grow food in space. And this is what he came up with. And he looked at our system and he gave us some good advice, but overall he said that we are in the, you know, top one percent of what he's seen as far as aeroponic gardens go. And he was really blown away about our by our harvest numbers. Um they're they're big. Oh okay. god. So
2: didn't I yeah, read so somewhere
0: else you were also, you're pumping your CO2 from your uh, brewery into your garden to boost your production there?
3: Yeah, and, and that's, that's ultimately, once I told him that, he's like, oh, that explains some of your harvest numbers. Um, yeah, and, and so he, you know, we, we kind of agreed that it's probably increasing production by about 20%. And you know we're not we're not capturing all the CO2 because there's just there's too much um, for what uh-huh. the garden. Needs. But but yeah, when we're uh, when we're fermenting, we're also sending some some of that CO2 up to the garden, and it definitely helps.
0: Oh, super. So have you increased your distribution footprint at all now that you've increased your production so much? Are you uh, sending your beer any further afield or anything with it? We really aren't yet we we do we have one account in town
3: at the Red Onion Saloon, so this summer we'll have three beers on tap there. I don't know what the future holds for us. The plan was always basically you know serve our our restaurant we, we opened up another restaurant in 2019 um so serve us our two restaurants and then you know get this account in town and, and just see where we're at production wise and then maybe expand and we haven't really still yet figured out what the excess is because we haven't really been busy enough yet. Right. So after this summer we'll we'll analyze where we're at and then and then maybe get some, you know, maybe I don't know, to Haynes or Juno. It's our dream to get it uh get our beer in Whitehorse because we go up there for CO two and just supplies. You know, we're on the uh-huh. for those that don't know, we're on the road system. So, you know, it's hundred and twelve miles up to Whitehorse.
0: Yeah, um, you gotta cross that Canadian border though. That's always that's always problematic when you're hauling alcohol, isn't it?
3: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We, <laughs> well, we, we talked with uh, the board of uh, liquor up there, and this is what it would take for us to get our beer up there. We would have to send it by barge down to Seattle, and it would get <laughs> on truck trailer, sent up to Vancouver, put into a container with a bunch of other uh, alcohol, sent by truck trailer back to Seattle, put on a barge, sent to Skagway, <laughs> and then it would go up to Whitehorse.
0: Yeah, okay. That sounds uh that, that sounds about typical. That's very efficient. Yeah. So Yeah, very efficient. And and yeah. uh, by the time we figured
3: in all that it was it was gonna be like, you know, a twenty five dollars six pack of beer. So we decided to yeah.
0: Well, you know, you could always go back to the good old days and just bootleg it over there. That seemed to work for a while, <laughs> once upon a time. So, <laughs> uh, Well, I won't comment on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah probably really probably did. best if you didn't, Mike. <laughs> so how about another question? Are you planning to make any changes in your licensing structure come next January when the Title IV revision goes into effect?
3: You know, we really aren't. We're, we're one of those that really just... Benefited all around the, the brew pubs with a beverage dispensary license. We kind of already had everything. Oh, that's that right. Paid. You've
0: you've got a full BDL. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So the you know the one big thing for us is that uh, we will not go through a distributor to. Mm. So we'll be able to self-distribute. Like you know, right now, to bring it three blocks to our beer, three blocks to the Red Onion, we have to go through a distributor and pay a pretty big fee. Mm. Um, and you know, we're doing all the work. Right. So that that will be nice, and and I got to say our distributor has actually been really really good working with us on that. But um, but that'll be nice to save that that extra uh, money, and and you know even to our other restaurant right now we have to go through distributor to bring our beer huh. to our other restaurant. So that that'll be that'll help. But well, other at, than that, no. At, at least goes. you
0: don't have to ship it to Seattle to send it across the street, which I'm <laughs> kind of surprised that they don't require that so (laughs)
2: that's true that's true
0: so uh what else is uh i mean i I saw you guys getting ready to open up on march 9th um you got any other uh interesting events or uh releases or any new equipment you're going to be bringing online this year anything like that
3: you know we we had really some real big plans as far as equipment goes uh and had last summer gone the way it was supposed to uh we would have been putting in a couple of uh 20-barrel fermenters, mainly for our IPAs, uh, but we just just didn't get the revenue that we should have. Um, so hopefully next year for that. But, uh, no, as far as events goes, the, the Buckwheat Ski Classic is is a really big event around here, and it's a cross-country ski event that really is more of a party in the middle of nowhere than it is a ski race. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's just up on the Canadian border. That's that, open, that weekend we opened. Um, so we'll, we'll be up there and then the award ceremony and the big dance and everything is at Skagway Brewing
0: uh, that Saturday night on the, I think it's the 10th, maybe it's the 11th, right in there. I assume you guys will be at Haynes. You guys are usually oh, yeah. at Haynes, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. We never miss Haynes. All yeah. Right. We'll absolutely be there. Are you going to make
0: it down? Uh, possible. Don't, don't really know yet. Got a couple of things, uh, juggling to decide which, uh, what's going to. Family may take precedence. We'll put it that way. So
3: yeah, we understand
0: you got to go with, you got got to do what you got to do, but I am anxious to make it back to Haynes and make it back over to Skagway there. Cause like I said, I haven't, uh, haven't, I think I haven't been there in since 2015. So I'm behind. I need to, well, yeah, uh, I need to see it. the new, all your new digs and everything that you've got now.
3: Yeah. We'll give you the full tour. It's a, hmm. uh, It's a big, a mighty big building. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it looks it from seeing the photos and everything. As of now, everything looks good for the summer. You were saying all your, all the problems from last summer have been resolved. All your cruise docks are open again and should have have your expected crowds.
3: Yeah, it's really look. It's funny you mention it because yesterday uh, the new cruise ship schedule, the updated cruise ship uh, schedule came out, and it looks fantastic i mean Mm. busier than what any of us would have expected
0: plenty Um, plenty of five ship days as you guys say yeah well we
3: four 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 bigger ships and then sometimes a little little one will sneak in for the fifth Mm -hmm. Um, but usually four is kind of where we max out and uh yeah it's looking busy enough to where we had to kind of have a conversation of are we really going to try to do all these cold IPAs we had planned? Are we going to really try and do all these loggers? You know, is are they just going to hold us back by taking up tank space? So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer for for our brewers to see how how things shake out.
0: Yeah, well, I I can remember when I was there. It's that's a it's a very interesting town. You know, from like you say, from about. 10 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock at night, it is packed. And then about 6 o'clock, all of a sudden, where'd everybody go? There go the tumbleweeds down the street. So, because everybody went back on their boats to get their supper. And uh, that's the time to go. I figured that was the time to go to Skagway Brewing Company is when you could get in. And then, like you say, there wasn't a line of people waiting to get in. Well, I hope you have a good summer and a lot of folks turn out. And, uh, you know, you guys can stress test your new operation. It's a good problem. Yeah, well thanks. It's a good problem to have, as they say.
3: It is a great problem to have, and and we certainly welcome it. I mean, the whole town does. This this town has just really got decimated by the pandemic and, yeah. and last year. I mean the, the amount of storefronts open right now, I've never seen anything like it. So uh, yeah, we we need a this town needs a good summer to get back on
0: track. Well, hey, we hope you have one. Thanks again for taking the time to talk with me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Bill. Have a good one. All right. You too. This is Drinking on the Last Frontier, KDLL 91.9 FM Kenai Soldotna. We'll be right back with our next segment.
2: It's pick, click, give time for Alaskans. When you file for the Alaska Permanent Fund dividend, you can support your favorite nonprofit organizations. Do you value public radio? Donations help KDLL provide the news, features, and entertainment programming you trust from around the world and right here at home. Apply for your dividend at pfd.alaska.gov by March 31st. And pick-click-give to help your favorite organizations. Thanks!
0: Since St. Patrick's Day is only a couple of weeks away, it seems fitting to talk about the style of beer most closely associated with all things Irish, stouts. Stouts are warm fermented ales that are known for their dark color, generally an opaque black or deep brown, as well as a roasted character that is often compared to dark chocolate or coffee. Both traits derive from the use of roasted grains in the brewing of these beers. Traditional English stout recipes rely primarily on the bitterness of these roasted grains to balance the sweetness of the other malt and provide a dry finish, so they tend to show very little hop character. American craft brewed versions tend to have a bolder hop presence. Stouts as we know them today evolved from stout porters, which were very popular in London in the 1800s. The term stout first emerged in the 1700s in England to describe the high-alcohol, bolder-flavored version of any beer style. But over time, it came to be closely associated with this porter style. In the late 1800s, as porters fell out of favor, the designation stout porter was simplified to just stout. There are many different styles of stout offered by brewers today. The most widely known is the Irish Dry Stout, popularized by Guinness. Despite its dark color, Irish Dry Stout is generally a very light style with rarely more than 4% alcohol by volume. However, for the African and Asian markets, Guinness brews a completely different style of stout known as Foreign Extra Stout, which is around 8% alcohol by volume or twice the strength of Irish Dry Stout. Another popular style is oatmeal stout, in which oats are added to the mash bill, resulting in a richer, silkier mouthfeel and a full head. The sweet or milk stout, brewed with the addition of lactose, also known as milk sugar, was very popular in the early 20th century when it was thought to be beneficial to nursing mothers. After nearly dying out, it is enjoying a revival among craft brewers today. American stouts, higher in alcohol and brewed using large additions of assertive American hops, are also a staple of American craft brewers. Finally, there is Russian imperial stout, a style first brewed in England for export to the czars of the Russian Empire. This style has become hugely popular among craft brewers and drinkers, particularly here in the U.S., Imperial stouts are usually above 8% alcohol, and the best examples are full-bodied, rich, and complex. They will often have the flavors and aromas of dried fruits, coffee, and dark chocolate. Imperial stouts are also a favorite style for barrel aging, usually in used bourbon or other spirits barrels. The big stout flavors can stand up to the elements added by the barrel without being overwhelmed. When it comes to pairing stouts with food, the classic match is a dry Irish stout with oysters on the half shell. The briny flavor of the oysters is perfectly complemented by the roasted notes of the stout. Dry stouts also work quite well with traditional fish and chips. The heavier American stouts pair well with grilled meats like steaks and pork roast. Imperial stouts with their rich flavors and higher alcohol make excellent matches for with chocolate desserts like chocolate mousse or chocolate candies. If you're interested in trying local examples of stouts, there are a plethora to choose from. St. Elias Brewing keeps its Mother's Milk Irish Stout on tap continuously and regularly has barrel-aged Russian Imperial Stouts on offer. Kenai River Brewing has its Swiftwater Stout as well as its Breakfast Beer, which is a mashup of oatmeal and milk stout. It, too, has Russian Imperial Stouts on offer on occasion. Kasich's Brewery has its Roughneck Stout, its Smoked Russian Imperial Stout, and its Stotny Stotny Imperial Stout. In fact, most breweries in Alaska offer a stout or two, if not continuously, then on a special release basis. So that's the story behind Stouts, one of today's most popular craft beer styles. This is Drinking on the Last Frontier, KDLL 91.9 FM Kenai Soldatna. We'll be up next with our final segment. Hello, this is John Jackson, host and producer of Deeper Cuts Radio. Deeper Cuts features an artist, band, or topic. We play great music not often heard, mixing and mingling genre and era, creating a unique playlist for your listening pleasure. Tune in Fridays at
1: 9 p.m. on KDLL 91.9 FM in beautiful Kenai,
0: Alaska. Enjoy. Let's talk about beer dinners. We've all got our pet peeves, the little things that really drive us up the wall. One of mine is sitting down in a nice fancy restaurant and asking to see their beer list, only to be told, oh, we have everything. My response, really? There are over 9,000 breweries in the U.S. alone, so a conservative estimate would be there are well over 50,000 individual beers brewed in the U.S., not to mention all the cool imports out there. And you've got everything. That's impressive. Okay, I'll have a 1998 Thomas Hardy Ale. At this point, the poor server usually realizes they are dealing with a beer geek, and my wife sighs as she is again reminded that she was foolish enough to marry one. The server then admits that by everything, he or she really means Bud, Bud Light, Miller, Miller Light, Coors, Coors Light, etc., i.e. the same run-of-the-mill macro brews that everyone else has. If I'm really lucky... They might have one local brew of some sort on tap or in a bottle. It will probably be served way too cold and may be so old that it does not taste anything like it should. But that's the way it goes, right? Can't expect to get what you're paying good money for, i.e. a quality craft beer properly served. What bothers me most about this is that no self-respecting restaurant would ever respond to a request for its wine list by saying, we have everything. Nor would they think serving just a run-of-the-mill house white sufficient to satisfy the tastes of all their customers and pair with all their dishes, but they think nothing of treating beer in such a cavalier fashion. This is especially galling as beer makes a much superior pairing with most foods as compared to wine. Since beer is carbonated, the effervescence of the bubbles allows it to disperse more aromas. Given its myriad of styles, beers are far more versatile at mealtime than wine could ever hope to be. Are you having fajitas? The bracing hoppiness of an English pale ale will cut right through the dish's spiciness. Are you having spinach salad? A nice tangy wheat beer will counterbalance the acidity of the dressing. If you're having chocolate cake, then a bold, roasty imperial stout will balance the richness of your dessert. There are beers that will work across all these categories, which is not the case with wine. However, to quote the great Bob Dylan, The times they are changing. More and more chefs are discovering the utility and versatility of beer, both as an ingredient in and as an accompaniment to fine dining. True beer lists are becoming more and more common in fine dining establishments, taking their rightful place alongside the wine list. Coming from the other direction, more and more breweries and brew pubs are serving food, and that food is becoming increasingly sophisticated. A couple of decades ago, a brew pub could get away with serving a substandard sort of deep fried pub food, but today's patrons are increasingly looking for something better. If they're going to go to the trouble to seek out quality handcrafted beers, they expect to be served quality handcrafted foods as well. We can see the intersection of these trends in the growing popularity of what are loosely called beer dinners. They are set menu meals in which each course is accompanied by one or two beers specially selected to go with that course. Under that general umbrella, there are many different subcategories of beer dinner. Some showcase beers from a single brewery, while others might focus on beers from a specific region or country, or even imports from another country, such as Britain or Belgium. I've attended dinners which were billed as a duel between two breweries, in which each course was accompanied by two beers, one from each brewery, and the patrons voted on which beer paired best with each course. Some dinners focus on aged beers, The famous Humpy's Beer Dinner, held in Anchorage each year during Alaska Beer Week, showcases hard-to-find brews plucked from the extensive personal cellar of Humpy's owner, Billy Opinski. Whatever the chosen theme for any particular dinner, they all share one thing in common. They're a celebration of the excellence of finely crafted beer and its amazing ability to accompany and enhance delicious food. Here on the peninsula, a few restaurants are beginning to dip their toes into the beer dinner waters. On Saturday, February 4th, Bleeding Heart Brewery of Palmer teamed up with the Flamingo Lounge in Seward to put on an epic six-course gourmet meal in which each course was paired with unique cocktails incorporating meads and ciders from the brewery. Even at $165 per person, the event was sold out with attendees raving about the experience afterwards. Breweries with food service will also soon be able to offer beer dinners as well. When the recent revision to Title IV goes into effect on January 1st, 2024, breweries will be able to obtain restaurant eating place licenses, which will allow them to serve beers other than their own products. At that point, I expect to see breweries like St. Elias and Kenai River explore hosting their own gourmet beer dinners. If you're a beer lover like me, you should want to see this trend continue. The way to make this happen is to give feedback. If you love beer and don't wish to see it mistreated, speak up. Let the server and or the manager know if you're not happy with the beer choices at establishments or how their beers are served. If your complaints are ignored, go spend your money someplace else. Conversely, if you find good beer properly served, let the folks doing so know how much you appreciate it. Go to beer dinners and let the staff and owners know just how happy you are to do so. Positive feedback is just as important as negative feedback. Let's put our money where our mouths are and teach people to respect beer.
1: Howdy, folks. This is Murphy from the Veritas Variety Review. Check us out at our new time, Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. every single week for good music, free high fives, and good vibes. Catch you then.
0: Well, that's it for this month's Drinking on the Last Frontier. Our final quote of the month comes from Canadian essayist Hugh Hood, who said, Nothing ever tasted better than a cold beer on a beautiful afternoon with nothing to look forward to than more of the same. Until next time, cheers.